0: Welcome to Living Well with Rent Well, the podcast for anybody who's thinking about getting into real estate in real estate and wants to take their game to the next level. I'm your co-host TJ Hawk and I am your co-host Rob Coldwell. Welcome to another episode of Living Well with Rentwell. I'm your co-host TJ Hawk with us today's Victoria Cowart. How are you?
1: Hey TJ I'm great. How about
0: you? Doing well, thank you. I'm excited for today's conversation. We'll be talking about uh, pets and pet screening and the benefits of them and the changes that are happening in the market and some of the fascinating data behind
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, what residents are looking for, applicants are looking for and, and all that. But before we get into that, I'd love to if you could share a little bit a little bit about yourself and
1: Sure. sure. Well, thank you for that and thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I think with the name T.J. Hawk, you should be like the most amazing skateboarder or, you know, something there. I'm not
0: coordinated for that. <laughs> <laughs> Me
1: either. So my background, not skateboarding, my background is property management. I was in the direct side of property management for many years uh, before coming over to the supplier side. I had portfolios of apartment communities, both conventional and subsidized mobile home communities, HOAs. Um, So I've enjoyed a, a lot of time in the property management industry and a lot of time with the local association, state association and the national apartment association. And so rental property management is definitely my jam and jelly as is education and legislation areas I love as well. And so now I'm the director of education and outreach at pet screening. And I give, uh, sessions. I facilitate sessions for associations and companies across the country on topics like assistance, animals, and accommodation requests, and how to handle those magical math of property management. And here recently was super excited to be part of the inaugural class of NAA members who has become certified to create certified mental health first aiders. So if you think about attending a CPR class for the body, you think about attending a mental health first aid class for the mind. And so I became certified in that and I'm able to facilitate that curriculum so that I can create other certified mental health first aiders.
0: Interesting. I'd love to hear more about that. Maybe we could do another episode. Well, sure. The uh, So I, where I'd love to start, thank you for sharing a little bit about yourself. I'd love to, to just kind of start with some data sure. and, you know, about pets and, um, what's the importance of allowing pets in the property and all that good stuff. So I'll let you take it away.
1: Well, thank you, TJ. The, the numbers tell the story. You said earlier you're a numbers person and I'm a numbers person. Well, you said you're a data person. Uh, and so I'm a data and, and I, I love stats. Uh, so the essence of this issue is that 70% of homes in the country have pets or animals in them. Wow. And to, to put that into perspective only 27% of the homes have children. So homes are far more likely to have pets than they are, uh, someone in the home under the age of 18. And, you know, so we're talking not about not only the population in the homes, but we're talking about the challenges that renters face. And so 72% of renters say finding pet friendly, truly pet friendly housing is hard. And then at the same time, 92% of renters agree pets are really important members of their family. And you wouldn't believe tj the stats on millennials millennials are kind of our sweet spot in the industry because the average renter is 39 years old and millennials right now are 26 to 41. and so i'm gonna i'm gonna stop and ask a question tj do you have pets at home
0: uh two two dogs
1: two dogs so millennials 75 percent of millennials uh in their 30s own a dog really yes and 50 percent of the millennials in their thirties own a cat. And so I've got three cats at my house. You have two dogs, at yours, right? And so there's no one under 18 in my home. Is there anyone under 18 in yours?
0: Uh, there are, there right? are.
1: Right, so, both. say again.
0: So I hit both, two dogs, two kids.
1: Yes, you hit two, you definitely hit both. Uh, but again, 75% of the millennials in their thirties have a dog and 50% of them have a cat. Uh, and you know the pet population in the country is uh, over 230 million cats and dogs and more than 137 million households and so this is just really the prevalence of this is just really really high
0: i wonder how that number has changed um coming out of COVID. i i had heard that a lot of places which is a good thing, had a lot of adoptions. A lot of these shelters had adoptions. And so I'd be curious to know what that was before, not, you know, that you have the data, but like what it was before and after. And, um, but I do think it speaks to the, even more so the importance of landlords allowing residents to have pets because it's just a reality. I mean, 70%.
1: It is a reality. And, you know, I do actually have uh, a little bit of the data to what you're talking about, because we had done, a survey, uh, around that time. And of the folks that we surveyed, if I'm remembering correctly, I think 26% of the pet owning apartment residents say they acquired their pet during the pandemic. And in 2021, 19% of the non pet owning residents said they intended to get one in the coming year. Wow. So there was a lot of adoptions back then. And I know there's a lot of shelters you know, focusing on retention now and probably behavior classes and trying to help people hang on to those animals that they welcomed into their family.
0: So I'm sure you're, we'll get into this today, but where my mind goes is the curiosity of, so you now have this increase in, can I use the word pet population or more tenants who have pets. On our side, we, from a management company, we've also seen an an increase in support animals or service animals. Uh, I'm curious if there's any correlation between the two of them.
1: So that is a very interesting correlation to draw. And honestly, when I have an assistance animal accommodation class, uh, you know, a session to facilitate, it's called You Bet Your Assets, by the way. Uh, because of the risks, you know, of handling for, of your, you know, your clients and and other property management professionals and owners handling their own assistance, animal accommodation requests, which is one of the things we do at pet screening. Uh, there is, you know, quite a correlation there. Um, and one of the first things I teach is there's such a rise in physical, mental, and emotional disabilities in the country. That, that I think is, is one of the causal links to the correlation of seeing so many more assistance animals. Are there disingenuous assistance animal accommodation requests? Absolutely. When we address the assistance animal accommodation requests for our clients, only 40% of them actually make it through the process, uh, through the HUD process and are compliant with HUD regulations. Uh, which is not to say that we're declining or rejecting 60%, but a lot of folks will just kind of leave us on red when they realize the doggy driver's license, the kitty driver's license from the internet is not what it takes to facilitate an assistance animal accommodation request. But I also think that there's a causal link with mental, emotional, and physical disabilities in the country being on the rise. So 25, 26% of adults in the country are living with a disability. Uh, Pre-pandemic, folks would say one in 10 adult was living with a mental or emotional disability post pandemic that went up to four in 10. Wow. So there's a rise in physical, mental, and emotional disabilities. That's one of the causal links for this. And then the other is that, you know, 70 some odd percent of our renters, as I said, you know, feel like it's really hard to find pet friendly housing. I think that the number is 72% say it's hard to find pet friendly housing. Uh, and so, you know, they're finding it harder and harder to find a place where they and their furry family are welcome. And that could be the reason that they're trying to circumvent the pet policies by just making that pet an assistance animal instead.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I could see that happening where, OK, well, you're you, you're not allowing pets. I'll go online, get a certificate that says it's a support animal or, you know, service mm-hmm. animal. And now you have to let them in. Um,
1: well, that's the question. Do you? And how do you go through that process? And again, you know, that's uh, one of the things that we do at Pet Screening.
0: So, if I'm a landlord and I have typically do not allow pets, what I'm hearing is it would, to use a fancy word, behoove me to allow pets uh, in the property. I guess, w- what does that look like? And, you know, how does pet screening help? By using pet screening, is there any? Does that help reduce any of my risk? Are there any insurance benefits to that? So kind of, I'd love to just, I know that's a big open-ended question, but I guess if we were to just start with from the insurance and risk management benefits of using pet screening. Yeah. Well, us-
1: yeah, let's, un- let's unpack that a little at a time because there's a lot there. This is a really in-depth topic that I don't think gets enough attention uh, from those who are owning and operating rental properties oftentimes. And so we delight in having these conversations, CJ. So thanks again. Uh, and definitely this is, you know, what we do at pet screening for our clients is really in part a risk management program. Uh, the essence of the risk here is damage to the rental and or liability from bite incidents. And so, you know, talking in terms of damage, the national average dollar value that I found of pet damage to a rental is $191. Uh, The number I found was that 9% of pets are causing damage. And so one of the things we help our clients do is appropriately charge fees and or deposits and or pet rent to help them mitigate this. Uh, Even scaling it for them through our risk scoring of their pets so that they can charge a FIDO appropriate, that's the name of our scoring, a FIDO appropriate uh, monthly pet rent and or initial pet fee or initial pet deposit at entry. So that risk of damage is certainly there. Uh, I'm seeing $191 as the average with about 9% of pets doing it. But again, you know, having a program and a policy in place that helps you get an appropriate risk reward and return you know, is what all of the folks out there should be working towards and letting us help them get there.
0: How about pet policies? Are there any changes in, uh, I know that's kind of another open-ended question, but in any, are there any policies out there that are changing because of pets? Are you seeing any changes in leasing requirements or anything through fair housing?
1: Well, let's let's talk about the the risk for bite for just a second before we close out the you know the, the insurance and risk management portion um so the first portion of that question really goes to damage as, as we discussed and the second portion of that discussion goes to risk or liability management uh, there are bites that occur on properties and within rental communities or individual rental properties uh, that are millions of dollars of risk uh, there was a landlord in north carolina who rented, I believe it was a single family rental, the dog engaged in quote, a vicious dog bite. And there was a lawsuit that ensued between the victim, the dog owner and the rental property owner and management company. And the essence of that was the dog did in fact have a bite history. And those folks in management and ownership were then accused basically of knowing or Should have known they knew or should have known that the dog had a dog bite history. And so that particular owner and management company had to defend themselves all the way to the North Carolina Supreme Court to prove what they did not know. And so there is a lot of risk, uh, inherent in having, you know, animals around that can bite and cause harm. But again, they are in 70% of the homes in the country. Uh, there is no avoidance of this, but there is, you know, the opportunity to wrap good policies and standard operating procedures around it and having the answers in advance and thinking through what goes on in a lawsuit where the attorneys will show up and say, what did you know, what should you have known and what did you do about it? And so thinking through those questions with any of the liabilities or risks that your rental property owners have, you know, is a great proactive way to manage. And so, you know, that's the thing those three attorneys ask. So you have to prove what you knew uh, and what you don't know. And in this particular instance, you know, talking about pets and or assistance animals, the profiles that we uh, provide our clients, the profile, the no pet profile, the household pet profile, the assistance animal profile uh, will be the saving grace. Those will be the answers to those questions. So again, you've got that risk of damage, you've got that risk of bite situations, uh, and you know your SOPs, your standard operating procedures and policies should really just get ahead of those and while you welcome the pets and animals into the communities. Yeah, you
0: know, I love how pet screening has, when you log into the portal, you can see a picture of the pet, you can see the history, you can see any immunizations or,
1: mm-hmm. so
0: it's, it's, I think it's a great feature, not just for the management company or the landlord, but also for the individual who has the pet because it's something they can take with them Yes. Really.
1: Forever. They get that digital license. So, uh, they get a digital license for 12 months, and so this becomes their digital pet parenting passport, if you will. And so imagine running off to the emergency vet on the weekend and you know that emergency vet knows nothing about your your furry loved one and being able with the click of your phone to click and share your pet's profile or you're going out of town, you're going to have a, or you're going to have a new dog walker or groomer or take your Friend, your furry friend to a new doggy daycare. Again, that profile is clickable and shareable. So it is a product that the pet owners get to use. Uh, They'll pay for it initially, $20 or $25 initially for the pet screening. And then of course they reap the benefit of having that digital pet profile. And then they'll pay $15, $20 or $25 annually depending upon their form of payment and time of payment. But they get, like you said, a great digital tool. And on the client side, our client side in this B2B2C relationship, they get to see the full profiles, no pet pet and assistance animals. And for the pets, they get to see the FIDO scoring. Uh, So they get all the information they need because if that dog scores a one or two, that is the flag being waved down again in this whole risk management conversation. Not every one FIDO score. Not every dog that gets a, or cat that gets a one paw Fido score is a biter, but every biter will drop down to a one. And so we're flagging down owners and operators, letting them know about the risk associated with the pet, pet parent combinations they're welcoming into their rentals.
0: That's great. I think that this filled such a a vacuum that was out there uh, (laughs) from allowing, I guess, from some insight into pets. And I believe this would transfer even so if the tenant moved let's say out of a rental property and in, into a, another property that a different management company. And if that management company used pet screening.com mm-hmm. does that pull in the history as well, that when they Absolutely. go to the application, it would.
1: Absolutely. That profile, um, will be shared or, uh, be found through the integration, if you will, with the property management software. Uh, and it will follow them. And, and one thing that's interesting as well, if TJ, if you there at RentWell find that a pet or assistance animal was a poop or a barker or did damaging, you know, had damaging bite habits, you could click into their profile, click on the issues button, document that. And then when that renter moves to their next rental, like your question kind of just pointed out, Uh, and this follows them, so too will the issues that you documented in their profile.
0: Yeah, uh, that's amazing. I think that's so great. And uh, just the protection that it gives the landlord, the property manager, the insight, the information, like it's, it's going from not having that and just taking the tenant at their word that it's a good animal, there's no issues to having truth, I guess.
1: Absolutely. Well, we're, we're shining a light on the information the industry is really, truly always needed. We really haven't had information. We've had signatures at the bottom of pet policies and pet addenda. Don't do this. Don't do that. If you do this, you'll have to do that. And if you do this, you'll do that and pay this and don't do that. And they've signed off. We've not asked them. Has your dog ever been quarantined, dog or cat, pet, period? Has your pet ever been quarantined for biting someone? Has your pet ever bitten anyone? Has your pet ever bitten another animal? We've not asked the questions. We're now asking 23 questions and getting all the data points, right? So we've not had any of this actual true information. We've told them do or don't do and the consequences and asked for a signature.
0: And I believe it's an affidavit, right?
1: It's a legal attestation. It's not not an affidavit, but it's an attestation. We are asking for an attestation from everybody at the end of their profiles, whether it's a no pet pet, assistance animals to your full So you're right on target, TJ.
0: Okay. I'd love to transition a little bit um, Mm -hmm. from our conversation here. And because I'd I'd love for people to hear that if I have never accepted a pet before to now I am um, pet passionate, right? That's what that screen likes to use. So I go from not allowing pets to being more pet passionate and I'm accepting them. What might I see as a landlord in terms of the lease up, or allowing me to be a little bit more competitive in the environment to reduce the days on market, mm-hmm. because you know at least in our market now, depending on which segment you're in, these properties move pretty quickly, and uh, and we are getting asked more and more, do you allow pets? I didn't see it in your marketing. Well, I have a pet. Would the owner make an exception? And it's so I'd love for landlords who historically haven't allowed pets to hear what are the benefits Sure. From the lease up reduced days in market? How am I more competitive with it? Understanding that we now have pet screening deployed to help mitigate some of the risk, which is amazing.
1: Now what? Sure. So if a rental property owner goes from no pets to accepting pets, uh, number one, they will see more traffic for their available rentals. Pet policies is the number two factor in rental searches, second only to budgetary concerns. So, so let me say that again for everybody listening. Who's pet reluctant and we're trying to get you to jump onto pet friendly and maybe ride that train all the way to pet passion. This is the number two rental search factor, money, number one, pets, number two. Right? So that's, that's first off. I can't, I kind of laugh when I say that because it's just, it's just amazing that this is the number two search factor. Like what is the price and can my furry family come? Yeah. And, and then the second thing they're going to see is they're going to get twice as many applicants for the rentals. So not only more traffic, but more actual applicants for the rentals. And then, I mean, continuing the journey from there, faster and easier filling of the vacancies. 83% of property management professionals say that they feel faster and 79% say they feel easier vacancies in pet friendly or pet passionate rental situations versus Pet prohibitive situations. And again, 9% of the pets are going to cause damage of of under $200. So, you know, plan ahead for that with good policies because, again, you know, you're going to get more traffic, you're going to get more applicants, and you're going to fill those vacancies faster.
0: And what about is there any correlation to turnover or tenant satisfaction?
1: Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great question. So let's talk about the satisfaction part of this. You have dogs, I have kitties. Uh, I just tell folks my dogs, my cats identify as dogs who are owned by lazy people. Um, so we love dogs too, but you don't have to walk them on a rainy day. Cats, cats don't have to be walked on a rainy day, right? Much easier. Uh, so you know, there's definitely a connection between becoming more pet friendly or pet passionate and renter satisfaction. Uh, eliminating breed and weight restrictions, or, you know, just even becoming more pet friendly, as we said, you know, having pets in your rentals promotes relaxation, reduces loneliness, reduces depression and causes a higher quantity of life satisfaction, you know, for renters with pets than renters without pets. So think about your renters for a moment and think about, You know, if you're allowing pets or you're not allowing pets, you know, promoting relaxation when you are reducing the loneliness of those folks, reducing their depression and increasing their overall life satisfaction. Another study between, uh, Habri and that's H-A-B-R-I and, uh, Mars pet care said 80% of their owners make, so excuse me, 80% of pet owners say their pets make them feel less lonely. Now think about the pandemic y'all and think about, you know, just moving forward in general, 80% of pet owners say their pets make them feel less lonely and 54% that percent say that, uh, their pets help them connect with other people, mm-hmm. you know, and who in property management doesn't want, you know, reduced depression and reduced loneliness and enhanced relaxation, you know, and, and enhanced connectivity for their renters. Because you know what happens, TJ, you know what happens when connectivity and community are created around a rental. Longevity. They stay stay longer. Absolutely. You're on point. Creating community creates value. It's the tie that binds. Find another statistic about people in this country that's at the 70% mark. I don't think you'll be able to find one this is the the commonality the tie that binds across the vast majority of homes in the country 70 percent of them have pets or animals so you're creating community i mean who doesn't talk to their neighbors or walking past with a dog
0: right of course
1: I, i have sticks outside my door to play with my neighbor's dogs i don't have any dogs but i have sticks for them
0: what, what are, are there any other outcomes or stats that you could share for our listeners?
1: So, yeah, there's a ton behind this. So if a rental property owner goes from no pets to accepting pets, you know, we said they're going to see more traffic and twice as many applicants. Um, you know, one of the things that I really like saying and sharing, which is just absolutely true, uh, if you're welcoming of pets, you're going to see a reduction in the false assistance animal accommodation requests. The only way they can get their furry family into your rental property that they really want and or need is through an assistance animal accommodation request. They're going to go the distance. And so, you know, these dogs and cats, i.e. horses, have already left the barn. You know, one way or another, 70% of homes have pets or animals in them. 92% of them say they're really important members of the family. Uh, They're going to find a way in. So a reduction in, in the disingenuous assistance, animal accommodation requests, uh, you're going to also see improved revenue. You know, if you're allowing of, of, of pets versus not allowing of pets, you've got the whole opportunity for pet revenue that you didn't have before. And depending upon what's permitted in your area, you can charge one or more than one of three options, monthly pet rent, initial pet fees, and, or initial pet deposits. Now that deposit of course has to be held, you know, for that renter, that's not income, but that monthly pet rent and that initial pet fee at entry, that's a great revenue opportunity. And some studies have shown your base rent can even be higher in addition to charging pet rent. If you are pet friendly or pet passionate.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: So that's, you know, financially, it's just a win, 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 you know, and then of course you had mentioned this earlier, TJ, you were super on point longevity there's a reduction in the turnover in pet friendly and pet passionate rentals versus pet prohibitive. Pet prohibitive rentals, I'm told are about an average of 18 months stay, whereas pet passionate rentals can be as much as 46 months. Now another study said pet renters and pet friendly homes remain an average of 21% longer, but on either end of that spectrum, you know, longevity increases as your pet friendly and pet passion levels increase.
0: Victoria, this is great information. I really appreciate you sharing all this. We're we're about at our time. Um, Is there anything else that you'd like to share about petscreening.com, the benefits, uh, anything else we haven't talked about today?
1: Oh, absolutely. I I thank you for giving me the chance to give the the pet screening uh, nod. So we're a digital plus solution. Digital meaning we're going to grab all that data for you, for your no pet households, your pet households, and your assistance animal households. So you'll have the answers to information, you you know, answers to questions you've never had before. You'll have answers for the attorneys. Heaven forbid you need a risk management solution, and you have to prepare for that today, not when it occurs. You're going to get pet revenue management as well. And then I said digital plus because not only, as I said, are we grabbing all that data for you uh, in a way that's very actionable for you. We are also supplying you with an incredible human service in the processing of all of your assistance animal accommodation requests. And we're bringing a team to bear on those that is exclusive to that task. We have our assistance animal reviewers. That's all they do. We have our assistance animal authenticators. That's all they do. So when the reviewer sees the documentation, checks all the boxes, they pass it over to an authenticator who contacts the healthcare provider. This is for a support animal. They contact the healthcare provider and authenticate that that document came from that healthcare provider for that requester with that date on it so that you're not just receiving something that somebody just typed up at their computer at home. And this is all these folks do. And there's two attorneys in between them all day, helping them with this work. And they're a bundle of great pet loving, animal loving folks with wonderful histories often in social work and, and mental health areas. Um, they're really here and happy to help defend the rights of the disabled. And part of that means shooting back across the line to pets those that are pets and not truly assistance or service animals.
0: I'd be, you know, you, you, you had me think, I'd be so curious to know if as people are coming back to the office or company is going to start allowing pets. Well, the- that's,
1: that's one of the, that's one of our things that we're working on too. We're working in the commercial space. Uh, we're working in the rental space and all different verticals in the rental space uh, so that your pets have great lives. Uh, are safe living them. We have a feature where we can help you know, FidoAlert and TabbyAlert.com where we can help get your pets, lost pets and animals back to you. So we want your pets, you know, we want to help your pets throughout their entire life, go to work with you, live with you, get returned to you if they get separated from you. Uh, Pet screening has got amazing things going on. So I hope that your listeners will go over to Petscreening.com and take a look at what we're doing as well as FidoAlert.com and TabbyAlert.com. So that they can find ways to help pets be welcome everywhere because you know who doesn't love having their furry pals with them oh that's
0: wonderful well victoria we really appreciate it if somebody wanted to get a hold of you ask more questions learn more about pet screening well, how would they do that
1: oh thanks for that yeah victoria at pet super easy victoria at petscreening.com. happy to chat with your folks uh, I may not be the account exec for them, but I will be happy to put them in touch with my perfect PAC member uh, and that uh, make sure that they get great service. We've got amazing teams on our pack over here and they love giving great service to wonderful clients.
0: Excellent. Well, Victoria, thank you again. We really appreciate it. Thank you for sharing all this wonderful information and uh, we'll catch up soon.
1: Sounds great. Thank you, TJ. Perfect.
0: Thank you for listening to Living Well with Rentwell. We hope you loved that episode. Please be sure to head over to our website at rentwell.com backslash vision. We're giving away our free program called Vision Through Purposeful Action. If you're a busy person, if you struggle with finding the time and priorities, or if you're experiencing procrastination and overwhelm, this free course will help you with that. We wish you a blessed day. Thank you for tuning in and
1: check in later.